I want to encourage you as we prepare our hearts to receive the word of God today. Um, you know, sometimes, how many know sometimes in life there's difficult circumstances? But you know, no matter what happens, God is always in the victory mode. Did you know that? If the guy that you voted for didn't win, God's still in the victory mode. Amen. He's just in victory. Amen. Because he sees the, the end from the beginning. Amen. And if there's difficulties in your family or there's difficulties uh, around the world, and if there's difficulties in Israel, uh, God's not up there wringing his hands about it. Amen. He, he knows what he's doing. Amen. And he's always in the victory mode. And so sometimes we don't see things as they really are because we're living more in the natural. Amen. So the Bible said we're to walk in the spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, the lust of the flesh, we fulfill that when we get our eyes just on the five senses and the things that we can see with our eyes. So we need to look up. Amen. And we need to look to the Lord. And that's what I want to encourage you today to do. Not to look at me or look, or look at the congregation or look at what's going on in your family. Or what, you know, what's going on with other Christians. Look and see the Lord today. Get a glimpse of the Lord today. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 6, uh, Isaiah said he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. The glory of God. When you see the glory of God, it will change you. It will change your whole perspective. And Isaiah, the, the prophet, the man of God, saw the Lord high and lifted up. And he began to tremble. And he said, woe is me. I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. And you know, when the glory of God is revealed to you in your life, things are going to change. Amen. Your attitudes are going to change. I had an experience with the Lord in 1977 that totally transformed my life. Amen. Now, I heard about the gospel before that, but that was the time when I really surrendered my life to the Lord and he revealed himself to me in his glory. And I tell you, things changed. The habits in my life changed. My speech changed. And in fact, just hearing certain words grated my soul after that point because God had come to dwell in me. So today I want to encourage you to lift up your eyes and look at the Lord. You say, well, how can I look at the Lord? He's not on the screen. Uh, nobody's produced a video. But you see, you are spirit people. And you can look through the eyes of your spirit and you can see the Lord today. And so that's what I want to encourage you to do because I believe God wants to do something in our midst, you know. And I, but I don't believe he can do it through me only. Because he said, without me... You can do nothing. Amen. We need the Lord today. Amen. We need to experience his presence and his power and his glory. We need to see him correctly. Amen. We need to have our eyes open. So I want to encourage you today. Open up those spiritual eyes. You may even be a baby in Christ. You know, maybe you've been far away from the Lord, but God will reveal himself to you and things are going to change. Can I have an amen? So let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for the country church. We thank you for Pastor Rich and Fran, their faithfulness, the faithfulness of the congregation, and all that you have done in this place and through this ministry over the years, God. We thank you for Henry Vanderbush and his family and the, and the roots that are in uh, his ministry, too, here. And all that you've done through many people, God, we're just so thankful for what you've done up, up till now. But, Lord, we want to see more and greater things. And, Lord, the only way we can see that is as you infuse us with your power and your glory, and you change us through your word. So, Lord, today, as we minister the word of God, we just ask you, Lord, to bring forth that truth that will wash us, that will change us, that will transform us, and will identify those areas that need to change in our lives, that we can come into the fullness of what you have for us, God, because you have so much more for us, Lord. You have so much more for us as a people, God. And we pray today, Lord, that that would be revealed and that we could step into it, into even a, a new dimension today, Lord, in our walk with you. And Father, we thank you for these things and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, and all the people shouted, Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's open our Bibles to the book of Ephesians. I guess it must be my favorite book uh, in the Bible because... 
It's always wore out in my Bibles from that particular section. And the book of Ephesians really gives us light into the plans and purposes of God. Gives us an understanding of what God's done for us in Christ and what's been accomplished for us through the work of redemption. And then, but it also gives us some very practical things about how to work those things out. How many know God's practical? You see, we're not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. Amen. But we're heavenly minded and heaven is coming forth through us in our daily lives. Amen. And God wants to manifest himself, not just in church services, but in your home, in your marriage and in your family and in every part of your life. Amen. And so today we want to talk to you from Ephesians chapter five, beginning in verse 22, about the marriage relationship. Marriage is God's plan. Amen. God ordained that a man, he said, it's not good that man should be alone, he told Adam. So Adam, he gave Adam a companion, a helper. Amen. How many men, how many know we need some help? And so God gave Adam a helpmeet or a fit helper for him. And she was made out of man. So she was the completion of man and uh, fulfilled God's plan. God's plan from the beginning for marriage was one man, one woman together for life. Amen. That's God's plan. That's God's uh, picture. And he hasn't changed his mind about it. It doesn't matter what governments say or people say. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Amen. And God's ordained it, and it's, he's blessed it, and it's his plan, and it's his purpose to bring forth. It says in Malachi that in the marriage, his plan is to bring forth godly seed. So he has an eye on producing children that are godly. And according to his purpose and plan, he'll do just that. But let's look into the marriage. But I've got my eye on something else, I'll tell you right, right now. Because marriage is a picture of something, according to these scriptures we're going to read. And it's a picture of Christ and the church. And so we're going to be talking about that, too, because it's very closely related. And, you know, it's interesting. We talk about marriage. When Jesus was on the earth, he talked about the generation he lived in. He called them an evil and adulterous generation. An evil and adulterous generation. Because they were not only in the sense of adulterous in their marriage, but they were adulterous towards God. God compares marriage, the marriage relationship, to his relationship with his people. He says he's married to us. Amen. And so marriage is like the Christian life, or the church and Christ. All right? So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, as we read these scriptures, you're going to see that word many times, as, okay? So, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. He doesn't say, women, submit yourself to all men. He doesn't say, women, you are second-class citizens. He's talking about something in the marriage relationship, an order in the marriage relationship, for our good and for his glory. And he says, wives, submit yourself to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Right away, he's giving us this picture of Christ in the church. He said, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and is the savior of the body. How many know Jesus is our savior? Well, guys, he says we're supposed to be our wives' savior. Amen. You know what, guys? Your wife should be happy and blessed that she's married to you. Things should be better in her life because she married you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. (laughs) It's the truth. How many know when Jesus came into our lives, things got better? I've never said, now I've had some hard times in my Christian life. Don't get me wrong. But I've never said, Lord, I sure wish I hadn't got together with you. 
I never said that because I've been blessed by having Jesus in my life. And that's exactly what God wants to happen in your marriage. He wants your wife to be blessed because she married you. Why? Because you're her savior. You're her protector. You're her caretaker. You're her lover. Amen. You are about the business of meeting her needs and blessing her life. And you see, that's what, that's how the marriage can begin to function the way that God intended. When the husband takes that initiative to be not only a spiritual leader, but a giver and a blesser in his family and to his wife. So he said, the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Why do we love Jesus? Because he first loved us. Amen. Our love for Jesus is a response to his love for us. We love Jesus because he first loved us. And that's exactly what God intends in the marriage relationship. He said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, the relationship that he's known all his life until now. And he leaves that relationship, not to forsake them or dishonor them, but he's making a new family. So the man leaves his mother and father and then what? Cleaves to his wife. And now the two become one flesh. Amen. Jesus initiated the love relationship with us. And in the marriage, that's what God's intention is, that the man would initiate that love relationship with his wife. And then she would respond. Guys, if you want your wife to yield herself to you, that's what submit means, then you need to do your part, amen, so that she will respond to your love. Amen. You see, Jesus is not looking to his church to be a bunch of robots. Amen. Who say, I will obey the Lord. I will Obey the Lord. No, he's looking for a love response from us, isn't he? He's looking for something that's from the heart. Well, it's the same thing in the, in the family. You know, it's not about rules and regulations and demanding submission. It's about the husband giving himself, laying down his life for his wife so that she can respond in kind, in love and and. Walk into that love relationship and fulfill and respond to that love. And that's what God's looking for in that family, in that marriage. So he says, the husband is the head of the wife. Verse 23, verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. Now, I want us to look at these verses here carefully. It said, the husband is to love your wife even as, what's as mean? Like, in the same way, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then verse 26, what's that first word there? That, okay? Now, that is, is connecting two thoughts, right? It's saying Jesus gave himself that. In other words, so that, or in order that, for the purpose of. Jesus gave himself for the purpose of, okay? Jesus gave himself for the purpose of. Just like I was telling you husbands, give yourself for the purpose of. Give yourself for the purpose of that your wife might yield to you. You give yourself. You know what is the biggest problem in marriages? I think that that if you wanted to put it in one word, selfishness. When you get out of selfishness, 
then your marriage can begin to be blessed. Amen. Because you give of yourself. You begin to try to outdo one another in loving one another. And you'll see blessings in your life and in your marriage. Amen. You know, the world's idea is that you get married in this blaze of glory and it's so wonderful when you're young and you're married and you're, you know, you're hot and all this, you know, you're young and, and then it's just kind of downhill from there. But I want you to know that's not God's plan. God's plan is that your marriage is going to get better and better and better and better. Amen. Richer all through your life. Susan and I, we've been married 42 years. Amen. 42 long years. (laughs) And I want you to know it's better than it's ever been before. Now, we're not perfect. I'm not here to brag on us. I'm here to brag on what the Lord has done. But when you follow God's plan and pattern, that's what he he wants it to get better and better and better. Amen. And I'm here to testify it's better than ever. Praise God. And in the same way in the Christian life, it should get better and better. Your relationship with the Lord should get better and better and better and better. Can I have an amen? And you should fall more and more in love with Jesus. Amen. And grow in his grace and grow in your intimacy and closeness with him. Just like in that marriage relationship. But it said that Jesus gave himself for the church. That. He gave himself for the church for a purpose. What was that purpose? Well, we might think he gave himself for the church so that we could be forgiven and go to heaven. Well, how many know that's true? But that's not the point he's bringing out here. He said he gave himself for the church that. Let's see what it is that he gave himself for what purpose? That he might sanctify And cleanse it with the washing of the water of the word. The purpose of Jesus giving himself for the church was to sanctify the church and to cleanse the church by the washing of the water of the word. So what he had in mind when he died on that cross for us is a clean church. He did not die so he could have a dirty church. Amen. He died so he could have a cleansed bride. So he could bring a holy bride home to himself. And we are called to be a holy people to the Lord. And we are called to be faithful in our relationship with the Lord. Just as we are called to be faithful in our marriage, our earthly relationships and the marriage relationship. We are called to be faithful to the Lord and not an adulterous generation. When you get married, and I'm sure you've had some weddings here in this church. And I don't know how to describe what all may have taken place. Probably some songs. But at some point, there's the wedding vows. And the, the husband, you know, is asked, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, to have and to hold and to care for, you know, throughout your whole life until death do your part? And then the husband says, I do. And then the, the wife, the woman, is asked the same question, and she says, I do. Well, today it's like sometimes people say I do with their fingers crossed. Hello? The first thing you've got to do is you've got to say I do from the heart. You've got to mean it. Amen. Now, The Bible says that our relationship with the Lord is like a marriage. Isn't it interesting that in the same way we need to come to the Lord and we need to say our wedding vows. And that's what we call confessing Christ as Lord. And I want you to know something. If you confess Christ as Lord and you've got your fingers crossed, he knows. Amen. And the script, you know what the scripture says? The Lord knows them that are his. 
So your name might be on the church membership. Uh, You might have a lot of good works. Everybody in the community might say, this boy, this person's a great Christian. But the Lord knows if you got your fingers crossed. But when you believe in what Jesus did, and you make him Lord of your life, a transaction takes place, a wedding vow. You enter into a relationship with him, and you enter into a covenant that he will not break, because he will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Because I tell you, some husbands might forsake you. Some wives might forsake you. But the Lord will never forsake you. And he will be true to his part of the vows. Amen. And it's up to you to do your part and to enter into those vows and then to keep them throughout all your life. Because you see, you can make those vows and not have your fingers crossed, but you have to walk it out on a daily basis. Now, this word sanctified, the word means to set apart or to make holy. Amen. So he gave himself for the church that the church might be set apart and cleansed. Set apart from the world. Different from the world. A special people. Boy, how many know who you're married to makes a big difference? And if in the spirit realm we are married to the king of kings, we got it made. We got a good deal. Last night when we were praying, I don't know how it came up, but Susan uh, informed us that she has my, she gets my salary. <laughs> Just kind of kidding around. Because, you know, when, you, when you're who you're married to, I mean, you're, you have their stuff. Amen. Folks, we have Jesus' stuff. The Bible said we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So if we're married to him, we're joined to him. That's scriptural. The Bible said, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So folks, this is a very, very powerful relationship. Amen. And he gave himself that he might sanctify and cleanse us by the washing of the water of the word. So I want us to think about three biblical terms today, okay? Now don't turn me off because I said... Biblical terms. But there's three things I want us just to quickly understand. Three things. Justification, sanctification, and glorification. Justification, sanctification, glorification. We just read that Jesus gave himself in order that the church might be sanctified, set apart unto him. Okay? Justification. What is justification? It means to be made Righteous. To be made righteous. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says, Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You could translate that, Being made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You are justified. Justification means your sins are forgiven. Through justification, we are saved from the penalty of sin. Because of justification, we do not have to go to hell. We can go to heaven because our sins are forgiven and we're made righteous. How does he do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, He, Jesus, was made sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have a wonderful gospel. We have a wonderful savior because he took our sins, all the sins we've done in the past, no matter how bad, how dark, or how many, and he took them to the cross for us so that we might be forgiven, forgiven, forgiven totally. Hallelujah. And free in Jesus' name. That's what justification is. Now, for the Christian, justification is a past tense. It's something that has happened in our lives. Okay? But then there's sanctification. Sanctification is the setting apart unto God. 
It's a transformational work that occurs all through our lifetime. It's a present tense thing. God is in the process of sanctifying me and sanctifying uh, the other rich derider and even sanctifying Pastor Rich derider. He hasn't even arrived. None of us have arrived. Amen. Sanctification is a process. How does that process occur in our lives? By the washing of the water of the word. And you can read about that in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That is the work of God in our lives throughout our days on this earth. He's going to be doing that as long as we're here. And thank God that we have Bibles that we can open up in the morning so that we can have our, our minds washed and so that work can take place. Sanctification is also a part of salvation. It's a part of salvation. It's an ongoing part of salvation. Justifications are, if we're born again, it's already taken place. But sanctification is the part of our salvation that continues on as long as we're walking on this earth. Justification is what he did. Sanctification is what he's doing. Okay? Present tense. But now there's a future thing, which is also part of our salvation. And that's called glorification. Glorification. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, that when we see Jesus, when we see him, we will be like him. Jesus has a glorified body. Jesus is glorified. Jesus is, it has entered into that perfected, glorified state. And the Bible said that when he comes back, that we will be translated into that same state. If we have died before in previous generations and buried, it doesn't matter. If our bodies have been obliterated in the sea somewhere, somehow God is going to raise us up and give us a glorified body. And it's going to be like Jesus, and we will sin no more. Because we will not only be, have been delivered from the guilt and penalty of sin, not only delivered from the power of sin, which he's doing now, but we will be delivered from the presence of sin. It can't touch us. Hallelujah! And that's a future and a hope that we have. It's laid up for us in heaven. Hallelujah! And that's what we have to look forward to. So I want to say to you that we need to understand those different aspects and not mix them all up. We need to understand, you know, that God is doing a work in our lives to sanctify us. It's not that we need to go back and be born again again, but we do need to be changed. If you've been born again, then you need to continue to walk on with the Lord and grow and mature. This Christianity is not just about getting your fire insurance and waiting for the rapture. I could use some better amens in this place today. I'll say it again. Christianity is not just about getting your fire insurance and waiting for the rapture. Amen. You have purpose. You have a destiny. God has a plan for your life. Amen. And he's given it in his word that you might walk it out day by day. And Paul said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press into something. He, didn't, he wasn't saying, I'm pressing into getting justified, getting saved. He already had that. But he was pressing into something that was ahead. Not to get saved, but to work out his salvation in his life, that the resurrection of power of Christ would come forth in the earth, that Christ would be manifested. Amen. You see, because we, church, have 
the glory of Jesus Christ. Just like Susan has my paycheck. Susan said, amen. We have Christ's glory. Amen. Just flip over in your Bible. I'm going to show you something. John chapter 17. How many love the Lord? How many have your eyes on the Lord today? You know, I believe that God wants to manifest his glory in this place today. And if we as a people keep our eyes on the Lord and press in today, that we will see his glory and we will be changed. John chapter 17, verse 20. This is Jesus' prayer before he was crucified and before he left the earth. John chapter 17, verse 20. Neither pray I for these alone, the disciples that were with him, but for them also that shall believe on me through their word. Now, how many have believed on the Lord because of the word? Raise your hand, wave it high. Praise God. Okay, so this prayer is for you. That they all may be one. As thou, there's that word again, as, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. Now, how many believe that Jesus and the Father were one? Now, in this prayer, he prayed that you and I would also be one, that we would be one with the Lord. That's amazing. And what's the purpose? That the world may believe. Now, how many would like to see the world believe in Jesus? How many think our country needs some faith in God? You have a part of that by manifesting the glory of God, by manifesting the life of Christ that's been given to you. You and I need to realize what God has done for us in Christ. Amen. It's like a marriage. We're married to the Lord. Hallelujah. And we have his stuff. Amen. And we're one. Just as the man and the wife are one flesh. Amen. And there's a production that comes out of their life. So it is that we are one spirit with the Lord and a production or a fruit comes out of our life. And that fruit is the glory of God seen upon our lives. And he said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. And I tell you, the world needs to see some fruit in the Christians. Amen. And you're it, folks. Don't look next door. Can I have an amen? But it happens through your relationship with him. Relationship. Not just fire insurance. You see what we're talking about here? What God is getting to today is that he wants more in his relationship with you. Amen. And you can press into this relationship. How many know when you get married, if you got married here in the country church, and then you went into your new home, the bride and the groom, and, you know, say, well, that was a nice wedding, wasn't it, dear? And then one goes into their bedroom, and one goes into the other bedroom. And the next day, they go to work, and they just kind of pass by and say, how are you, how are you doing, once in a while? That's not much of a marriage. Amen? No, there has to be Intimacy. There has to be closeness. There has to be communication. You have to develop the love relationship. You have to spend time together. Well, it's the same with the Lord. Amen? If your relationship with God consists of coming to church once in a while, when you feel like it, and then just spending your whole life occupied with the things of the world, you're not really going to grow in your relationship with Christ. And you're going to look at all the miracles that God did in the Bible and miracles that you hear about in India and other places, and you're going to say, well, why don't they happen to me? Well, how's the connection? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, You'll ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. 
God's going to answer your prayers. You're going to have miracles. You're going to have fruit. But it comes through abiding in this relationship. Just like in the marriage relationship, it's got to be cultivated. Your relationship with the Lord has to be cultivated too. Now, there's a man in uh, Shell Lake, Wisconsin. His name is Reg Myers. And I'm familiar with the church that he's in and, and have become friends with him to some degree. And I heard his testimony. And Reg Myers came from a really rough background. He lived in Illinois and he was on drugs. You know, and but like worse than what we were. I mean, he was on some hard drugs. In fact, just to give you an idea what Reg Myers' life was life, like, Reg Myers uh, stole guns from drug dealers and sold them in order to get money to buy drugs. Now, how many know you're on a, a short list to hell when you're living that way? That's, that's called living dangerously. Well, he had an encounter with God in Illinois, and the Lord told him to get out of there quick. And he moved to Shell Lake. He had a relative there, an uncle, I think. And he moved in with his uncle, and his uncle witnessed to him, and he received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then he married this Christian girl from the church, and they settled down in the church, you know, and uh, he was living the Christian life. But Reg Myers had some addictions, and once in a while, those things would flare up. And one time, his wife was out of town, and he got lonely, and he went to a bar, and he started drinking. And he ended up in trouble with the law. He got into a confrontation with the deputy sheriff, and he ended up in jail. So the, the pastor of the church came to the jail, and, along with another man from the church, and they got him out, and they brought him home. And his wife received him back home, and there he was. But he was humiliated and frustrated with himself. He wanted to live the Christian life, but his addictions had a power on him. And he made up his mind he was going to seek the Lord. And he was going to seek the Lord till he found him. You know, the Bible said, you will, you will search for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And so Reg Myers began to seek the Lord every day. He began to get up uh, like five o'clock in the morning before he went to work. And he went down in the basement and began to pray and seek the Lord. Now, remember, I told you today, we're supposed to look in the spirit today, okay? We're not supposed to be moved by the flesh, by the natural things. That's what he was doing. He was pressing into the spiritual realm. And he began to seek the Lord day after day in prayer and studying the word and yielding himself to God. Day after day, week after week, seeking God. And seemingly, very little happened. He kept going down there week after week. Now, I can't remember exactly how long it was, maybe five or six months. One day, he had an encounter with the Lord, and the glory of God came into that basement. And he had a special name he called it. I can't remember what it was, but he encountered Jesus Christ in his basement. And everything in his life changed. And his wife, when, she, when he would come up in the morning, uh, she would say, well, anything changed? You get a breakthrough. But that day he came up and she said, something happened to you. She knew it. And he was set free and delivered. And things began to change in his life. And he went to the pastor and he said, I want to do something in this church. I don't care what it is. I want to help. And so the pastor gave him a job cleaning the church. And then also him and his wife began... Uh, doing babysitting in the nursery for a certain prayer meeting so that couples that had children could come to the prayer meeting and they would have child care. So him and his wife did child care and he did janitor work and he kept seeking the Lord day after day. And God began to do one thing after another. He ended up going to correspondence Bible school. He ended up getting a job with the church. And today he's assistant pastor of that church. Reg Meyer's life has transformed tremendously. Now, was he born again before? Yeah, I believe he was. But he had to press in. Amen. Press towards the mark. Amen. I believe God's challenging some hearts. I don't know if you're all listening today in your hearts. Some of you may be just waiting, you know, to get to the fried chicken. I don't know. But it doesn't matter because somebody here is listening to what the Lord's saying. 
And, you know, God is challenging us today to press into a new dimension of the supernatural power of God. And what that means for you, I don't know, but God will show you what you need to do to press into that thing and to see his glory. Because the Bible said we got to go. Oh, man, I tell you, I didn't even finish all this. Because the Bible said that he's coming for a glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Amen. He gave himself to sanctify and cleanse us. So, no, we don't, we don't need to get born again. But we do need to deal with sin in our lives. Because if you say that you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. But you know what? If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. <laughs> you may think, well, I can't get up at four o'clock in the morning and seek the Lord for hours. Well, maybe you don't think you can. I'm not telling you that's what you need to do. But one thing I know you can do, confess your sin. Amen. Admit it and quit. You say, what are you talking about sin? Because there's sin in the church. Amen. Talking about the country church? No, I'm talking about every church. And we need to purify ourselves and prepare ourselves as a bride that's fit for the glorious king. Amen. So as God shows you sin in your life, confess it. If it's the sin of pride, confess it. And God will forgive you that sin and cleanse you. That means you'll be different. You didn't know what you were going to get today. I challenge you, press in. Become that glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. There's power through the blood of Jesus and there's power through the everlasting, ever-living spirit of God that lives in you to bring forth the creation, the new creation in manifestation in your life. We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency may be of God and not of us. I didn't get to read that, read that far. We should read just a little further. That they may be one, we said. And verse 22, and the glory, Jesus said, which thou hast given me. Remember, Jesus is praying to his father. And the glory that you have given me. How many think the Father gave Jesus some glory? The glory of God is the splendor and the majesty and the excellence of God. He said, the glory that you have given me. I have given them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and thou and me, that they may be made perfect or complete in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. This is a key to evangelism. And has loved them as thou hast loved me. Do you know that the Father loves you? That's a manifestation of the glory of God. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am. With me where I am. That they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Jesus prayed that we would see him, that we would see his glory, that we would behold him. I'll tell you something kind of funny. In the service today as we were worshiping. And I was just trying to prepare my heart to minister to you today. And in, my emotions were just like a little down. I don't know if it was Israel or the election or 
what we see in the body of Christ or whatever it was. But I just felt a little down. And, and then I, I just looked up and looked at the Lord to see his glory. And you know what I saw? Jesus chuckling. And that's why I said to you, God is always in the victory mode. He's always in the victory mode. He's always got a plan. You know, he said darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But what? The Lord shall arise upon thee and his glory shall be seen upon thee. His glory is going to be seen upon his church. Somebody here is going to get a hold of what God is saying today. And it's going to do something in your life that's going to change things in this church and in this community and in your family. And the glory of God will be manifested in your family like never before. And you will see his glory. You will see his glory in the spirit, but you will also see the manifestation of it in your life. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, they saw his glory. Amen. Miracles, when there's miracles, we see his glory. When somebody walks in the fruit of the spirit, we see his glory. And God is challenging you today. Come on in to what I have. Because I have a grand future to you, for you. One more scripture and we'll close. Revelation chapter 19. Glorious church. Without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. Anybody ready to do some rejoicing? And give honor to him for the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. Oh, brother Tom, it's just the Lord that does the work in me. Yes, it is the Lord, but you have to cooperate. Are you here? The Bible said we are to cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You have a part in this to make yourself ready. What's he talking about? He's talking about the marriage supper of the lamb. When the bride comes home to the lamb of God, to the bridegroom. When they... When a king was going to be married, they would prepare the bride. Sometimes for weeks and months. So that she would be fit for the king. And she would be dressed. She would be decked out. And they would do all sorts of preparations in the natural for her. God is preparing a bride for his son. And that's you. And when that marriage supper has come, the Bible says she has made herself ready. You know, our king deserves a pure, spotless bride. Amen. Now, we're not going to achieve sinless perfection this side of glory. Because as long as we got this body, we'll have temptations. Remember, glorification That's a good day because it's all over. All that's over. But right now we're in sanctification. But it's time to press towards that mark. What is your destiny? To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. You are predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Can I have a good amen today? Hallelujah. How many love Jesus today? Hallelujah. Let's just give him glory today. Hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. Oh, God, that we might be, Lord, a bride fit for a king. Lord, we can't do it in ourselves. It's God that works in us. But, Lord, you're working mightily in us to will and to do your good pleasure. Thank you for your work of salvation. Thank you for your work of life in us. Hallelujah. Your work of holiness and power and glory in Jesus' precious name. Praise God.
Praise God. Hallelujah. Holiness is separation unto God. Sanctification and holiness, basically, that's the same thing. I want to ask you with your heads bowed, how many would say today, I, I hear the call to holiness today in my life? Would you lift your hand if that's you? I hear the call of God to holiness. All right, praise God. I want to ask you to do something. Those of you that raise your hand, others that may just feel the Lord tugging on your heart. Just, you just feel the Lord calling you into holiness. Another step forward with God. Would you just come forward and pray? We'll just make this an altar. And just come and let's pray together. That God would help us to be that bride prepared. Would you just come? Praise God. If you've never met the Lord, you come too. You haven't been married to him yet. Come, you come. Today is a good day. Hallelujah. The Bible said, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Father, we're here today. We've heard your call to holiness. Not a holiness that we can produce on ourselves, in ourselves, but a holiness that comes from knowing Jesus and through the blood of Jesus. We're here, Lord. We present ourselves before you. Thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the precious people of God today that are here. And the work of your Holy Spirit in our midst. We do confess we, without you we can do nothing, Lord. But because of you, everything can change. Everything can change. We thank you. We thank you for your Holy Spirit and the work of your Holy Spirit today. Here I am, Lord. I present myself to you. Prepare me as that bride. Just say these words. Just say, Dear Father, I thank you for your precious Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, who died for me and rose again. I believe in what he did. And I confess he is my Lord. Lord, I want to know you. I want to live in your presence. I want to grow closer to you. In close fellowship. Spending time with you. Growing in my relationship with you. Show me your glory, Lord. Let me see you. As you really are. I worship you. I worship you, my king. Thank you. For saving me. Sanctifying me healing me, and that you will glorify me also. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.